My Seven Chakras, episode 252. Be here now is important. The Seven Chakras, swirling vortices of energy, positioned throughout our body from the base of the spine to the crown of the head. For thousands of years, this ancient wisdom has been passed on from master to disciple. What are the functions of these energy centers? And could these chakras help you unlock your destiny and find your true purpose? Welcome to My 7 Chakras. And now, your host, Aditya Jai Kumar. What's up, Action Tribe? AJ here, host and founder of My 7 Chakras, the show where we provide you the wisdom and action steps that will help you transform your life. So if you are new to this show, then I want to give you a warm welcome. Uh, And if you're like most of the listeners that get to know about our show, then I'm pretty sure that you are not just looking for information. Because if it's information that you seek, then you can find it on Google or Bing or some other search engine uh, in order to make progress towards an awakening and transform your life in every way then you need a community that will hold space for you allow you to express your voice share and grow and really help you step into your new life and that's why our facebook group our facebook community action tribe is exactly what you need our group will hold you accountable provide you feedback and cheer you till the finish line and we also have a big uh, special chakra challenge for every day so that you can take small steps that will make a big change in your life. So if you want to join thousands of other members, just go to my7chakras.com forward slash tribe. That's my7chakras.com forward slash T-R-I-B-E. And now let's bring on our special guest for today, Joanne Watts, who is the daughter of renowned philosopher, poet, and scholar, Alan Watts. So Joanne, are you ready to inspire? I, I definitely am. Wonderful. So, Action Tribe, today we were actually going to have both Joanne and Anne Watts on our show, but because of a technical issue, because of a technical glitch, uh, we could only have Joanne for this episode, but I'm looking forward to having Anne as well on a future episode. Joanne and Anne are the first-born children of British-born American philosopher, uh, writer, speaker, and counterculture hero Alan Watts. Together, they edited the collected letters of Alan Watts, which is going to be what we're discussing on today's episode. Uh, So thanks a lot for joining me, Joanne. You're very welcome. Glad to be here. Great, great. So this is so exciting because, and the reason why I'm saying that is because over the years, so many of our community members and people all around the world have read about Alan Watts. They've heard about Alan Watts. They're, They're completely inspired by some of the YouTube videos as well about him and, and about how he thought about life and the beautiful message that he shares. So it is in, indeed incredible that both of you took the time to bring out this this book uh, so that his message can be further shared. Now, on the topic of inspiration, we always start our show with some inspiration. My question to you is, what is your favorite inspirational quote these days and how do you apply it in your life? I think I would have to say the phrase be here now is um, important. Um, I feel like too many of us aren't in the present. We're looking either to the past or to the future and that we need to focus on the now. Mm-hmm. So so profound, so true. Action Tribe, no matter where you are right now, no matter what you are doing, be 
here now because the message that you, that is going to be shared uh, in today's episode is going to be really useful for you going forward to so be here now uh, so joanne for the few people who haven't yet heard about alan watts before this who was alan watts uh, alan watts was um a philosopher that uh, came about and during the uh, 1940s, 50s, 60s, and early 70s. Um, he started writing when he was about 15, 16 years old, very interested in Eastern philosophies at that time. Uh, he wrote about Zen Buddhism, and um, he went on from there to study Christian doctrine very seriously, became a priest, and uh, ended up being chaplain at Northwestern University for a number of years, um, and then in 1950 he left there and uh, gradually made his way to California, where he uh, went back to his um, interest in uh, Eastern philosophies. He taught at the American Academy of Asian Studies mm -hmm. in San Francisco, and then um, continued his writing. His books became very popular. His lectures became very popular, and um, during the, the 50s and 60s, people began to look upon him as a type of guru, which he was not happy being labeled that. Okay. Where he became very popular, and uh, he died in 1973. Well, thanks a lot for sharing that uh, information with us. Now, uh, the book is titled The Collected Letters of Alan Watts. And you've obviously told us when he started writing these letters, right? You said he was around 15 or 16. Uh, do you have any idea what really made him write these letters? What what was the initial spark, so to speak? Well, um, I was speaking of his writing of books uh, when I mentioned that he started writing uh, sixteen. But yes, the the book encompasses his letters from the age of thirteen. Actually, uh, when he was away at school, he was writing to his parents, and uh, he continued to write to his parents throughout his life. Um, his father died a year after he did, so you can see the span there. Um, and those letters were basically very informational about what he was doing, what he was thinking, and so on, um, and what family was doing, how we were growing up, those types of things to his parents. And then uh, over the years, he also communicated with a number of very uh, interesting people, um, discourses on Christianity and Buddhism and LSD and um, po politics and so on. So the book is quite a compendium uh, of a variety of letters to a variety of very notable people, everybody from uh, Aldous Huxley, Tim yes. Leary, uh, and so on. Wonderful. So obviously he was, I guess, present during the golden age right uh, in the west where people were awakening and getting exposed to so many different ideas especially from the east uh, music and philosophy and also substances right so different uh, uh, different types of things that happened uh, what was alan's childhood like as reflected in these letters and based on what you know uh well he was um an only child and yeah. uh, his parents were somewhat older parents. He was absolutely adored by his parents, and he adored his parents. Mm -hmm. And um, 
when he went away to school, he obviously, he wrote to them. And um, his father was always very interested in what Alan became interested in. And so when Alan became interested in Zen Buddhism and uh, became associated with the Buddhist Society of London, um, his father would go with him to meetings there and actually eventually became the treasurer of that organization. Uh, my father, uh, by age 20, was the, the editor of their publication called The Middle Way. Uh, it was during that time that he met uh, D.T. Suzuki and started corresponding with such people as Sophia Sasaki, who was um, a Zen master from New York, uh, originally from Japan, and with uh, Carl Jung uh, as a... Uh, as a um, Oh, I can't think of the word. <laughs> anyway, he was corresponding with these people who were quite a bit older than he was and right. he was corresponding on their level, which was pretty unique for somebody that young. Well, absolutely. It seems like based on what you're saying that Alan Watts was an old soul in a young body and he had some sort of a memory from his past life maybe that helped him relate to and communicate with I guess stalwarts or experts in his field back in the day, like you've spoken about Carl Jung, uh, you mentioned Aldous Huxley, and I believe he has he had also correspondences with uh, Joseph Campbell, so who sure. was such an amazing philosopher. So, you know, somebody who spoke about the hero's journey and uh, which sparked movies like Star Wars and all these other uh, wonderful uh, movies. But my question here is. Uh, Alan Watts was obviously you know, influenced by concepts and philosophies such as Zen Buddhism, Taoism, and Hinduism. Uh, so what got him interested in these Eastern philosophies? Uh, any idea what was the spark that brought his attention there? Uh, yes. Um, when he was a child, um, his mother uh, taught uh, gymnasium, as it was called back in those days, to young women in a, a private school whose parents were... Um, missionaries in uh, the Far East mm. and um, China and Japan and so on. And they would bring back gifts for her that were beautiful, embroideries and, and China and things like that. And in addition to that, um, uh, my grandfather, Alan's father, would read books to him, uh, especially the, he was especially fascinated with the Rudyard Kipling books, uh, Kim and and those books. Um, so uh, those things sparked his imagination. And then when he was away at school, he found uh, a bookstore in London that had uh, lots of uh, books, or Orientalia, I think it was the name, and he would uh, go and spend hours looking at uh, books of uh, Asian art and um, Asian philosophy. And it happened to be in one of those books that he found a pamphlet uh, from the Buddhist Society of London, and he uh, submitted his uh, pamphlet on Zen to them, and they uh, were so inspired by it, they asked him to lecture to the group, <laughs> uh, not knowing that he was only 15 years old. Wow, wow. It's so, it's so interesting that sometimes, you know, you you certain events, certain interactions that you have lead to one thing and then to another and all of a sudden you're invited to give a lecture, right? So it's so wonderful how the universe works with synchronicities. 
uh, and many of our listeners also might be going through this phase right now where you know they just click some button they're searching some word and they stumble upon the interview that we're having right now so it's fantastic how the universe works now speaking about synchronicity my question is what inspired the both of you to put this book together and what was the process like well it was quite a process uh, <laughs> Uh, as you know, it's the book weighs about two and a half pounds, and yes. um, there's probably about 400 letters in the book. Uh, in addition to um, my sister and I uh, did a lot of commentary in the book to kind of set the stage for uh, what was going on in Alan's uh, life at the time when he uh, wrote the letters uh, and wrote his books. Um, and um, uh, we had the letters, um, they were actually in my possession. I had two legal size file drawers just stuffed with papers from his, uh, after his death. And um, uh, the uh, publisher, New World Library uh, in California, was republishing some of his out of print books. And in a conversation with the publisher, I happened to mention that we had letters, and he was very excited about that. And uh, so we arranged uh, to uh, publish these letters. And it took about two years. Um, Alan uh, was a, as avid a letter writer as he was a book writer. And many of the letters were as much as three pages long, and he often would say to the person who's writing, I'm sorry to be so long-winded, but I just so enjoy writing. <laughs> and um, so, it, you know, uh, it was quite a process because, uh, you know, fortunately, in a way, he uh, made carbon copies of his letters. And so we had those to scan and put into Word documents. And then the letters to his parents, uh, they had saved every letter he ever wrote. And when he was writing his autobiography in my own way, I think uh, that they sent him the file they had of his original letters so that he would have those as resource for mm -hmm. writing his autobiography. Um, anyway, so that's kind of the story of it. Uh, it was, you know, as I say, it took us about two, two and a half years uh, and I, I worked on it um, almost seven days a week. Wow. So a lot of work. I'm sure two years is not a, a short time. But at the same time, like you mentioned, you were, you were working on these uh, letters and putting them together and working every day. Uh, I'm not sure if you know, but I'm based in India. So that's my hometown. And I'm in Vancouver right now. But whenever I go back home, I go through some of my diaries, right? And going through these diaries is usually... Uh, a process you know because you go back in time right as you read the notes that you made two years five years uh, seven years back and i'm sure this process of compiling these letters and going through them must have been pretty emotional correct so, so what was the whole experience like for for you and and n well it, it was very enlightening in many ways um because of course uh, especially in the letters to his parents uh, and not only to his parents because sometimes he mentioned us uh, to friends and other people but um, it was a, a picture of our growing up and um, uh, it was fascinating uh, and revelatory in many ways um, so you know uh, and, it, and it was a bonding experience for both of us too mm -hmm. 
because some of the truths that we uh, held, uh, we found to, in fact, be true, which was interesting. So um, it was it was quite a journey. Got it. So what was it like to grow up in the Watts household, so to speak? What was it like to grow up as uh, a daughter of Alan Watts? Well, that was interesting, too, obviously. <laughs> the, the best part of it, of course, was the vast number of very interesting people that came through our lives. Right. right. Uh, so, you know, we had contact with so many fascinating people. Um, uh, you know, I think a lot of people ask us, what it was like to uh, have a father like Alan Watts hmm. and um, uh, he, or what he was like as a father. He was very uh, loving and caring uh, when present. Unfortunately, as his fame grew, he was less and less present. And hmm. um, after, for the first 10 years of my life, anyway, my sister is four years younger, um, we, you know, saw quite a bit of him as as he was chaplain at Northwestern University. Mm-hmm. And then uh, when our parents divorced, um, I was sent off to boarding schools. I lived uh, in England for a bit and um, lived in Southern California at a boarding school there. And so I, I didn't uh, I didn't see him much, maybe on vacations. Uh, certainly the, the time I was in England, I didn't see him at all. Um, we obviously corresponded. Right. So, um, and then for my sister, uh, it, it was a little bit different, which um, I would leave to her to explain probably. I think that would be best when you interview her. But, um, uh, you know, he he had a complicated life. He uh, was so involved in his work, number one. He just, you know... Uh, read, studied, he was an incredible scholar and uh, an incredible writer, and so he was always involved in those tasks, and then he was traveling uh, to lecture and so on, and it was hard for him to be a family man. He mm-hmm. Second wife, uh, they had five children, and he was not a present father for those children, except very occasionally, and um, so, you know, for all of us, um, his absence uh, was probably painful. Thanks a lot for sharing with that, sharing that with us. Uh, now, like you mentioned, obviously you were the daughter of a celebrity back in the day, and what came to my mind is back in the day there was no email, right? There was no email, right. there was no social media, in, but yet he was so influential and so popular. So how, how was it different back then? Uh, I mean, so many people getting to know about Alan Watts without any social media, without any technology in that sense. Well, I think the books, you know, uh, and his lectures. Um, obviously, at this point, I think he's becoming even more popular than yes. he was then because of the, the uh, lectures on YouTube and the... Uh, uh, Facebook media where we've got, you know, a number of Alan Watts uh, sites that people yes. go to and discuss his work and so on. Um, but back then, it was more by uh, word of mouth, obviously, and people sharing his books. And um, he, he was on television, uh, and he was on, gave speaks on, speeches on the radio so that uh, those covered a, a broader spectrum. Correct. 
Um, but, you know, the letters, I think, are amazing because um, it's probably one of the last collection of letters uh, when you think about it because yeah. of email now and so on. People don't write the letters like they used to. And so we're, we're losing kind of a, a window into people's development and uh, their interest in, in various things and how they describe their lives and so on. Um, that's kind of going to be lost unless they're taping it, but then that can be lost too. So. Oh, totally. I mean, now that you have YouTube, you know, different ways of recording, right? So you have YouTube, you've got this podcast that we're doing right now. Uh, you've got blogs that are highly popular and you've got email. But I still feel that, you know, when you when you write, when you use a pen and put it against paper, that process that you go through is a more direct process to your subconscious mind. And it's, uh, in a way, much more enjoyable. You're able to share much more. So I do still maintain a diary with a pen to note down my thoughts. And and many of our listeners as well do the same. I, I think it's just different. It's more powerful. Very much so. I, I did that for a while uh, when I was going through kind of a, different, a difficult stage yeah. in my life. I uh, kept a diary. and. Um, I, when I go back and read it, I'm amazed at what I wrote, first of all. <laughs> and, and that, uh, you know, it was, it was very, uh, became very soul-searching. You know, you can right. you really, you think about what you're going to put down and you, you get into it deeply. And I think that that's a, a very wonderful thing to do. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Now, you shared this a uh, couple of minutes back. You said, of course, he was very gifted, both scholastically and artistically, he was a high achiever. He was doing many things, you know, meeting people, going on radio, going on TV, uh, writing letters, writing books. Uh, so, what was his life like, really? If you could give us a you know, deeper in- insight into that aspect. Well, um, you know, he he led uh, I, what people here would call a bohemian lifestyle. Right. Um, he. Uh, he lived frugally but elegantly, and um, I I always, you know, felt that he uh, loved to surround himself with art and uh, beautiful things, and um, but they weren't necessarily uh, expensive things. They were maybe stones from the beach or oh. um, a piece of driftwood or um, a, a beautiful piece of pottery. Things like that that uh, encompassed his life, and um, you know, uh, rugs from Mexico, uh, you know, weavings and things that were beautiful. So that was kind of his uh, way. And he, of course, he loved Asian art, and um, he loved mm. to do calligraphy. He did uh, beautiful Chinese calligraphy. Uh, became very adept at that. Um, and, uh, uh, you know, his, his life was fairly uh, simple in terms of his daily life. He would obviously, he would get up early in the morning, around four. He would write extensively for a period of time, and then he would maybe go. He lived uh, between uh, his ferry boat uh, in Sausalito on the water, which was just a sublime spot. Uh, and then up on the mountain near Mount Tamalpais in Mill Valley, he was uh, had a cabin there, and um, 
both served somewhat as retreat, although the Vallejo, the ferry boat became much more public in later years. But um, he, you know, would go out and walk on the hillside, or sometimes we would go to the beach for a picnic and take right. bread and a bottle of wine and a, maybe a cooked chicken or something and sit on blankets and enjoy the, the surf, etc. So mm. those, those were things that... Um, uh, that would happen, and then of course he was, you know, he'd have to give lectures and take off on an airplane and go someplace else and things like that. But um, you know, uh, I think his life was fairly simple in that respect. Got it. And a couple of things over here. I mean, one one thing comes to my mind is that uh, and this is something I believe that the best things in life, the most beautiful things in life, uh, need not necessarily be expensive like you pointed out it can be cheap it can be free also because i remember i'd gone to chile a couple of years back and in one of the mines or deep down i just found a rock you know like a stone uh, which came out of nowhere and i somehow picked it up and i still have it at my home right now it has beautiful meaning it reminds me of my trip to chile and uh, like you mentioned it doesn't have to, it can be just a, a crystal or pebble something you find on the beach uh, but it's just the connection between you and that object. And the other thing is, uh, I haven't been much to San Francisco, but when I did, when I crossed the Golden Gate Bridge, I did notice Sausalito. And there's something very special about that place. I don't know. It's like, I guess it's the energy that uh, is there of that place, which is very calming, very reassuring, and it's, and it's very different. Uh, but uh, yeah, thanks a lot for sharing. Uh, uh, you know that that story. Now, can, can I share something with you? Yes, please go ahead. Quickly, uh, you mentioned that you uh, went to Chile and you uh, found a stone. Yeah. Well, I too have been in Chile, and um, I was a fly fishing guide down there, and oh. I found a beautiful stone that I brought back, and it sits on my uh, altar with the Buddha. Oh, really? Yes. Wow. So amazing. I think that's something special about uh, Chile. It was near a, one of the copper mines. And, uh, you know, people are debating this, but I still feel that even inanimate objects have uh, some consciousness in them. And it was some meaning or some reason behind why that rock just, you know, somehow fell in front of me and I picked it up. So <laughs> I still have it at my home. And it's so good to note that you do too. You also found a rock in the beautiful... Uh, place of Chile. Now, my question is, obviously, you told us about his lifestyle. How did his lifestyle or thoughts or beliefs or work influence you or your decisions in your life? Um, you know, it, it's interesting because um, as a teenager, um, I think typically um, children tend to rebel uh, against their parents and they, yeah. they go in the opposite direction, which is what I did. And um, I uh, ended up being married and, and being involved in the business world. Uh, my husband was an a, a aspiring executive uh, in several companies and so on. And so I, I led a very, um, uh, oh, I can't quite stay. I don't. I can't think of the word of it. But my lifestyle was far from the bohemian lifestyle yeah. that I grew up in. Um, and uh, eventually, um, I 
turn back. I I went through several phases in my life doing that. And I, I think Alan did that as well. And it was kind of interesting to me when I was reading his letters and, and writing commentary that I saw myself a lot in um, uh, what his decisions and how he uh, lived. Uh, and, and I saw that in me as well. Mm-hmm. Interesting. Now, uh, when I told the members of my Facebook group that I'll be interviewing uh, you too, uh, of course, we couldn't have Anne today, but uh, our members got really excited. So do you mind if we go through a few of our listener questions? No, not at all. Great. Okay. So Grace P. asks, which teacher or spiritual leader was his greatest influence during his lifetime? Um, I would say perhaps Sokayan Sasaki. Mm-hmm. Uh, who was that leader? If you can tell us a little bit more about him. Um, Sokyan was a uh, Zen priest uh, ordained in Japan. He uh, was the uh, son of a samurai family who uh, became uh, an artist and uh, carver and worked on temples, uh, repairing them. Uh, his um, mother was uh, a concubine. Um, and uh, he eventually came with a group of uh, Zen after he had he had uh, lived in a Zen monastery uh, and was studying Zen. And he came to the United States in the late 1800s um, and uh, went back and forth to Japan. It's a long story, but right. <laughs> there's a wonderful book that's just come out that I would like to mention called Zen Odyssey. It's about his life and about my grandmother's life with him. And um, uh, it's it's quite remarkable. It's published by Wisdom, and you can find it online or uh, ask for it at a bookstore. But um, Zen Odyssey uh, by uh, Janica Anderson, and it really gets into his life and so on. But um, Alan uh, started corresponding with him at a young age. Uh, when he was like 18, 19, 20, and um, did not realize, of course, that when he came to America, he would meet Sokeon in New York, and that Sokeon would eventually become his stepfather-in-law. And um, so that that's quite quite a remarkable thing. But he, um, he mentions him often, and um, I think uh, that the way... Sokeon was as uh, a teacher uh, was very meaningful to Alan and he didn't actually he briefly studied with him but that was only briefly and, and unfortunately Sokeon uh, was interred during uh, World War II um, and died shortly after he was released from prison camp uh, so that was I think about 1945 so regretfully um, we didn't have his knowledge for many more years that he could have lived, but um, that that is there's some books out by him, uh, and I think they are also published by Wisdom. Mm-hmm. So, 
got it got it now susan stone has an interesting question uh which sort of uh, speaks to the idea that uh, as daughters of uh, alan watts you obviously led a different life right compared to maybe other children so as children did they feel different differently than others did they share their knowledge or feel as if they would not fit in if they did um i have to say that i did go through that somewhat um i mm. Being um, as uh, our lifestyle was slightly on the bohemian side of things, yes. other than the traditional, uh, uh, we weren't the, the Leave It to Beaver family, if, if you're aware of what that, that was a TV program that was very popular for years, which was kind of the classic American family yeah. thing. But um, no, we did not have that. And um and there was some, uh, when my father left the church in 1950, uh, there was some scandal around all of that with my mother going off with some other man and my father having uh, a girlfriend and so on and so forth. And I remember um, not, um, my friends could, uh, I could go over to their house, but their, my friends weren't allowed to visit my house. So right. there, there were problems like that. And um um, you know, I, I remember being teased uh, in school that I was a preacher's daughter, things like that, you know. So, yeah, there were some barriers uh, to mm -hmm. get over. Got it, got it. I'm sure it was not easy, especially at that point uh, in life. Uh, so the next question is by uh, Nancy Norvell, who asks, what was the triggering factor or spiritual experience that changed the course of his life from a normal life or standard life of expectations uh, to, you know, like a radical change into spirituality? Hmm. Um, was there any such thing that you know of? You know, I, I can't... Uh, speak to that particularly other than um i think that he uh he got in, in 1950 was definitely the change in his life and i go into this quite a bit in the book um but um he uh i think we had been trying so hard to uh fuse uh christian doctrine with eastern thought and, yes um it just it I think it just wasn't working the way he wanted it to. Um, I think he was very bothered by the concept of original sin and um, that, you know, these, these ideas uh, that Christian doctrine, uh, especially as it is practiced today, is very stifling. And he uh, much preferred the um, uh, freedom of thought with uh, Eastern philosophies and just reached the point where he had enough of that. And so that was the transition in his life. And it must have been, I don't know, I can't think of how old he was at that time, but maybe uh, 30, 32, 33, 34, somewhere in there. Thanks for sharing. Now, the next question is about people who have listened to the show right now, people who are listening. Uh, and we usually ask our guests to suggest one action step that people can do after the episode. So my question to you is if 
Alan Watts were here today, right now, and maybe he is, what is that one action step that he would recommend for our listeners today, based on what we've discussed? Um, I would say find a nice place, go outside and enjoy, look up at the sky, look through the trees, um, smell the earth and listen with your ears. Just involve all your senses and breathe deeply in that and see that's part of be here now and see what you're feeling and um, enjoy it. Mm. Action Tribe, to read the entire show notes for today's episode, including the inspirational quote, the book recommendation, and certain pieces of wisdom that you might not have been able to capture right away, visit our website, my7chakras.com forward slash 252. That's my7chakras.com forward slash 252. Tell me what you eat and I will tell you who you are. Now, this is a powerful quote by Jean Savarin and it is so true. Each and every day now, we're learning about the importance of consuming natural, healthy, non-GMO and organic food. And while that's great on paper, in real life, we do face a few challenges. Number one. Organic food tends to be more expensive. And number two. Many of us don't live close to an organic supermarket. But all of that is going to change because Thrive Market is here to support Action Tribe. And here are seven reasons why. Number one. Thrive Market is a revolutionary online marketplace on a mission to make healthy living easy and affordable for everyone. Number two. You can shop for thousands of the best-selling non-GMO foods and natural products which are always 25 to 50% below traditional retail prices. Number three. You can get everything you need. Snacks, supplements, safe and non-toxic beauty products, organic kids products and so much more. And it's all shipped straight to your door. Number four. And here's what I found really interesting. You can actually filter the catalog by your values and dietary preferences. Whether you're looking for gluten-free, vegan or fair trade certified, you can shop for 90 plus values in just one click of a button. Number five. And more than 70% of the Thrive Market catalog cannot be found on Amazon. Number six. And all packaging, boxes and inserts are made from recycled paper and are recyclable. 100% zero waste. Number seven. Because the truth is, Action Tribe, when you shop by your values and you support companies that are trying to change the world, you really will make a change. So do the math. If you normally spend about $100 at the grocery store, it would be around $50 to $75 on Thrive Market because of their already low prices. And now they're giving you an extra 25% off on your first order along with a free 30-day trial. Visit thrivemarket.com forward slash action tribe. So what are they getting, Kathy? 25% off your first order and a free 30-day trial. Visit thrivemarket.com forward slash action tribe to get started. The only way to make sense out of change is to plunge into it, move with it, and join the dance. This is a quote by Alan Watts. 
This is the reason why we focus so much on energy during our show. We live in an ocean of energy around us and within us. And once you realize that it is better to ride the wave instead of fighting against the waves, you begin to flow with the energies of the universe and your efforts become more impactful. That's when you begin dancing with the energy of the universe. And that's what the ancient Chinese used to call Qi Dao, Yi Dao, which means that when the universal energy flows, where the universal energy flows, your focus goes. So like Alan Watt shared, no matter what change you're going through in life right now, especially if it's a challenge, move with it and join the dance. So Joanne, as on today, what is your life's mission? What is your life's purpose? Uh, you know, you, you realize you're asking an 80-year-old woman that question. But, um, Age is just a number. <laughs> I know, it's just a number. Um, well, I, I just, you know, I, I live in a very beautiful area of the country. I live in, in Montana. I'm surrounded by mo- mountain ranges and beautiful rivers and so on. And um, I, I just want to... Uh, continue um, enjoying uh, my surroundings and um, uh, living a life that is uh, kind and um, purposeful. Um, I, I'm a painter and I want to, um, I have lots of paintings yet that I want to do and that's very on my mind. Got it. So Action Tribe, like we're learning today, most of us, it's probably too, true that we're not experiencing all of what nature has to provide to us, like that multi-sensory experience that Alan Watts reminds us to have. Probably it's a good uh, idea for you to you know, spend more time in nature today, spend more, more time pursuing creativity maybe it's painting or art or whatever it is and i hope you enjoyed today's episode as we've learned more uh, about the life of alan watts through his writing and through the experiences and memories of his uh, daughters and in particular daughter joanne today and no matter where you are right now whether you are in your car at your home or you're out in the open or you're jogging i don't know maybe you are hiking a mountain or on a beach and whether you're listening to this episode in 2018 19 or even 20 realize that you joanne and me we are connected in a wonderful way right now we're using technology to transcend distance and time as well and i'm glad that we were able to make such a connection right now and as we explore more of our consciousness and find out who we truly are remember that you and me are just like drops in the ocean bobbing up and down in the ocean of the universe spending a few moments in conscious connection together and in the words of alan watts you and i are all as much continuous with the physical universe as a wave is continuous with the ocean so ponder upon that thought for a few seconds and with that we arrive at the last round for today which is the wisdom round uh so Joanne, this round is very simple. It is just four questions similar to a rapid fire round through which our listeners can get to know some wisdom from you. So what is the best piece of advice that someone has ever given you? Um, Well, I think it would have to be basically what you were just saying um, to, you know, meet challenges head on and uh, work through them and 
fully be um, aware of what is happening around you. Got it. Name one personal habit that keeps you going these days. Any habit. Writing is basically it, I guess. Um, great, great. And what is your morning routine like? What do you do in the morning times these days? Well, that's that's my my time with my husband. We um, when we get up in the morning, we up fairly early, between five and six in the morning, and we enjoy our our coffee. Uh, and uh, we sit together and watch the news with our two wonderful dogs that sit by our sides and. Um, we find that they sleep heavier, more heavily at that time of day than any other time. Of day. Um, and it's just, it's very, um, even though the news is pretty awful most of the time, right. <laughs> it's just, it's our time together to kind of reflect on the day and what we're going to do for the day and so on. Mm -hmm. So name one book that you'd like to recommend for our listeners today. Um, one that I've just read recently, which I absolutely love, is The Snow Leopard by Peter Matheson. Um, I've always been drawn to books about that area of the world, the Himalayas, and it's his quest to see a snow leopard, and um, he's a Zen person, and the book is just wonderful in its description of his travels through that area. Um, so that that would be one that I would suggest if somebody hasn't read it. Great. Thanks a lot for sharing. So Action Tribe, in case you want to listen to this book right away uh, for free, then I have uh, something for you because audible.com is offering all the listeners of My 7 Chakras one free audiobook download uh, with a free 30-day trial so that you can get to check out their service. In case you don't know, Audible has many books, including The Autobiography of a Yogi by Paramahansa Yogananda, The Chakra System by Anadia Judith, and A New Earth by Eckhart Tolle. And they do have this book, which is called Snow Leopard as well. To start listening to this book, go to my7chakras.com forward slash free book. Once again, that's my7chakras.com forward slash free book and start listening to recommended book right away. So, Joanne, thank you so much for joining us uh, today. Before you go, tell us one thing that you're grateful for and how we can find you and how can uh, our listeners get the book as well. Um, I guess since you're speaking from India, and I don't, I don't know what um, your uh, process or, or where, where you're listeners are. are are they worldwide or just locally or so uh, i'm in vancouver right now but most of my listeners so listeners are all around the world but most of the listeners are from the united states all right um well for the listeners especially in the united states i would greatly encourage you to support your local bookstore by going and uh, buying a copy there um obviously it is also available on amazon um and it's also about uh, uh available as a kindle um so uh those are a couple of ways um i have to tell people though that uh everybody that has the currently has the book and has seen it just loves the feel of it uh it's a beautifully produced book uh, that the uh, publishers 
uh, did, and um, it feels good. It's wonderful to smell it and to turn the pages on it and so on. One person who we were interviewed by said he felt like he was being invited into the book. So mm-hmm. that's that's a, a good thing. And then, I'm sorry, I've forgotten what else you asked me then. Oh, you know, just in case people want to get to know about you. Oh, right. Uh, yeah. Um, I I don't have a website, but I uh, do have, I, I am on Facebook uh, under the name Joan Watts. Um, interestingly, there's another Joan Watts that's okay. also an artist, but um, I I live in Montana, so um, you would identify me by that, obviously. Um, and... Um, uh, one seems that there was one other thing you asked. I'm sorry. Uh, the other thing is uh, something that you're grateful for today. I'm grateful for. Um, I I'm grateful. Um, I have to say I'm grateful for my son, who I am staying with right now. Um, um, you know, he's uh, my my oldest child, and um, I'm just very grateful for. Being able to see him, I don't get to see him very often. Well, thanks a lot for sharing, and I must point out that Newer Library does, pro, uh, you know, publish some of the best books available over the years, and in particular, this book, The Collected Letters of Alan Watts, is remarkable. You know, hardcover. Uh, the pages are so well done, and just like the previous person did mention, it it sort of invites you. Uh, with a multi-sensory experience, the way you hold it, uh, the smell of the book, and of course, the wonderful wisdom uh, that is put together uh, in this particular book. It's going to be a wonderful addition to your library, as it has been of mine. So, Joanne, thank you so much for coming onto our show, talking to us, and sharing the wisdom and message of Alan Watts, and taking us one step closer to a human revolution. Thank you so much for having me. listening to my seven chakras go to my s-e-v-e-n chakras.com download your free gift get inspired and take action transform your life today